Before we start this podcast, the team at the Racing Line Pod would like to thank you for listening and supporting us. So that we can continue to grow as a podcast, we would love it if you could give us a rating and review on your podcast platform. This helps us to grow as a pod moving forward. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoy this episode. Good, I like that. You like that? Welcome, welcome, yeah. welcome to episode 35 of the Racing Line podcast. I'm here with Anthony Harry, and we're here to firstly dissect what a great race it was at Catalonia. Uh, guys, how are you going? Good, mate. How, how are you? I'm, I'm really good, thank you. I'm ready to pass on my um, <laughs> team leader status to Anthony to finish off the job because that was pretty lackluster. All right, then. <laughs> Evening, guys. Welcome to episode 35 of the Racing Line podcast. We've got a, a very um, a pretty stacked podcast tonight talking about a few different topics. We're going to start at the recent um, Catalonia Grand Prix oh, wait, that took second, place guys, in Barcelona guys, yesterday. Guys, yeah. we, forgot to, we forgot to add Michael to the party. Low jokes. Mixie <laughs> is on indefinite hiatus at this current time. So we will uh, he will come into the pod uh, as a guest appearance whenever he feels like he wants to Um, he sent me a a, um richmond tigers premiership documentary on facebook (laughs) he did anyway let's get back to the we'll get back to the serious stuff i got it too um so we're going to start talking about the formula one that took place last night early hours of this morning uh in the circuit de catalonia in barcelona some interesting talking points from the season so far. And I think um, there's probably a few interesting points to dissect there. We'll talk about the supercars race weekend um, at Winton. that again took place this weekend. And we'll also um, have a little bit of a discussion about the recent Bathurst 12 hour. And if we get to the Bastianini effect in MotoGP, we'll see how long that takes us. But boys, we'll start with um, Formula One. No, but yours is, I've lost your audio. I've lost your visual. H. Is it mine? Yeah, it's yours. That's good. We're going to just push on without you, Joey. Um, H, interesting race this morning. Last week, you spoke about how it might be a little bit of a um, floppy fish, dead fish, uh, in relation to the difficulty of this passing. But what did you make of the the whole race? Uh, It was interesting due to the heat, how many uh, pit stops there were for each team. Mm -hmm. I think um, most teams had a three or four stop strategy, which was mm. probably the first time I've seen it in a very long time. Um, some really good performances. I'll shout out Mr. Russell. Yeah. Um, mate, he's defending when he was in P1 from Max. was Even though Max didn't have DRS, he still had the pace on him and just yeah. wouldn't let him pass. Um, he's, been a, he's been a shining light of the season, I think. I think he has. He's, he's hit the ground running in that team. Mm. Um, but yeah. You know, performances that weren't so great, probably Pierre, who's who did absolutely nothing all weekend. Have to say it, Daniel. Your boy, pretty, mate. Pretty bad weekend. I'm going hard this weekend when you give me the chance. Oh, mate, I don't want to know about your bedroom activities, but um Joey, what do you think, mate? I didn't think the race was too bad, to be honest. I thought it was um quite an interesting weekend. Um, sorry if I sound a bit nasally. I've just still had a man flu for last week. Um, I thought that realistically Leclerc looked amazing um and like Max said after the race if it 
had been smooth sailing for them, uh, he would have run away with that pretty comfortably, it looked like. Um, however, that wasn't the case. And, you know, it's a long championship, but we leave Catalonia with Max in the lead of the championship, which is amazing considering he's had two retirements. Um, other than that, I thought Ocon really looked um, strong, which was, um, I mean... Alpine was strong in general. I think even... Alpine uh, was strong, but like over the last couple of weeks, I've really noticed how how well Ocon has looked. And I'm like, man, if if um, our boy is going to get a seat there next year, I don't know who's going to move because Ocon looked good. Um, Fernando had a great race from last on the grid to finish in the points as well. Mm. Um, I mean, it's, it's amazing how, if you look at it objectively, how much better they look as a team than McLaren at the moment, who mm. is sort of like their direct competitor. Mm. Um, well, I don't know. I feel like McLaren have had some pretty good races of late and this was kind of a bit of a setback for them. I feel like that, that the um, Alpine car is just, it is probably not as good at the tracks where the McLaren is really good, but like it's baseline. like It's, it's less it's, fickle. Yeah, so yeah. It, it can perform relatively well everywhere. Whereas the, Cla- the, McLaren, the McLaren struggles in heat. But yeah. yeah, that's right. Like in the heat, like it has, it, it's it's weird. Like it just it just loses all its pace. Yeah. And I was surprised because they look so good there in testing. I thought they'd come and mm. probably be best of the rest, and that really wasn't the case. Mm. Um, I mean, I was pretty impressed this weekend with Mick Schumacher as well, which I was pleasantly surprised with. Um, and that was. That was interesting considering Haas literally have not updated that car at all for this race. The only team we didn't bring up bring updates. Yeah. But I mean the baseline for that car and testing there was pretty good. So mm. I mean, maybe they didn't they knew they didn't really need him there. Mm. And then think- just quickly, my honorable mentions of apathy was probably Vettel, all the Williams drivers. Um, and yeah, to be honest, I think Pierre, because Sonoda looked like he had Pierre's number probably for the first weekend, like complete weekend that we've yeah. seen in a long time. I don't think Pierre's had a great season so far. He hasn't really done much. He hasn't, but I think I feel like a lot of it is like there's definitely problems with that car mm-hmm. that both drivers are alluding to. Um, but like he always looks better than Sonoda until this weekend was like the first one. It was like noticeably um I think, the problem is, I think, I think a, I a problem with Toro Rosso right now is that there's definitely other teams this year that have made a bigger jump than them. Like Ferrari, who they were um, somewhat competitive They've set, They set the bar so high as well last year. That's yeah. the thing. Well, McLaren's still better than them. Uh, Alpine has definitely made the jump. Uh, Alpha Ta- uh, Alpha Romeo has made a jump. So I think they're probably the team that hasn't made as much of a jump as some of those other midfield teams and they're kind of getting left behind and that is making it harder for, you know, particularly someone like Gasly to show his value. Yeah. Um, but a few honourable mentions that I wanted to make before we got into some of the talking points. Number one, I think that Nick DeVries has to get an honourable mention because he came in in FP1 and was faster than Latifi, which is... That's not surprising. Man. Yeah. It's not surprising, but I think that kind of... There's been... We, we've said it a few times as well that Latifi probably has to go regardless of the money that he's bringing into the team. That says a lot to me that you've got a rookie coming in for their first run FP one, and he's faster than someone who's been racing for two years now. Um, so I just wanted to mention that. Um, but a few things that were surprising, but also uh, enjoyable to see Valtteri Botas. We spoke about him a couple of weeks ago. 
I mean, this guy, he looks like a new guy. And, you know, it was made, the, the comment was made on the, on the broadcast, but he's a, he's a, you know, got a new lease of life in Alpha, um, Alpha Romeo. He's beaten Hamilton a fair few times this year. Uh, I'm really enjoying what I'm what I'm seeing from him. Uh, no I was pressure, pretty, he's in a pressure-free it, environment. That's right. Well, that, you know what? It's and good the cars to see him performing. Pace. Yeah, that's right. And I just it harkens back to the um, the performances that he was putting in at Williams before he moved to um, to Mercedes, and he was actually extracting more from the car than mm. was expected. And it's it's really good to see. But I think the key to talking point for us tonight, boys, and I don't know how if you guys want to have this conversation, but I want to, I want to push it because I think it's a, it's a big talking point right now uh, is DR. Is Danny Rick. Well, can I quickly yeah. just bring something up before we go into the Danny Rick's um, sweepstakes? Yeah. Um, I sort of want to also. Sweepstakes. Do you know what a sweepstake is? Yeah. But it seemed it's like not, a cool it's... word, but I didn't think of it properly. <laughs> um, I want to quickly. Give contextualized. A, I want to give it on. I'm not a teacher guys. Calm down. Um, I want to give an honourable mention to the um, whole Mercedes team for when um, when Lewis got his puncture on the first lap and said we should just retire the car and save the engine for, for not giving what up. What a sook, mate. What a for sook. not giving up. And, oh, don't um, even start me on sook. And, 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 and then bringing back what was a, a, a really good fifth place in, like, in hindsight. And, um, and really... To his the, credit, the he did race time, well after dude, that. I'm point. telling you, like that's what I'm gonna say. Like he came back and he was probably probably put in the best stint that he's put together all year. And that car looked like a genuine pace until they had the um the water leak. So I mean, I think Toto said after the race, he said there was no chance that he we were gonna box him anyway because we we're gonna use it as a testing session no matter what, even if it was if it didn't pan out that way. Mm. Um but yeah, I think it was actually really nice to finally see Mercedes with a little bit of, you know, like not total pace, but they had a bit of more competitive. Yeah. hundred percent. Like, and it's always good to see that. Mm. And George, man, like George surprised me so much, not surprised, but like, it was good to see him holding back um, Max and, and sort of having a bit of a jostle because we know what the boy has proven over the last couple of years. And then sort of his, start of the season with Mercedes hasn't been ideal and through no fault of his own. Mm. So I just love to see him get a car under him that can really take it to the best. Mm. You know, what was interesting to see, obviously the car's less competitive, but it was obviously he was in the, in front of uh, Verstappen. So he didn't have DRS. And when Verstappen didn't have DRS, I thought it would be a lot easier for Verstappen Blow for past. the Red Bull to get past the Mercedes than it was. So yeah. obviously there's a little bit of aero wash that you've got to take into consideration. I mean, when you're watching the onboards of Verstappen going around the sweeping the corner three, turn three, you could see how much um, downforce he was losing. But regardless of that, that car wasn't as bad as I thought it would be, which is but, good. It means that, that they're getting... Bull, that, that Red Bull breezes past Ferraris. Yeah. So, like, yeah. for it not to be able to breeze past um, the yeah. Mercedes really bodes well for them, I think. I think they are definitely – their stock is definitely rising, which is good to see. Um, I think that's a good point, Joe. I think, um, obviously, there hasn't been a whole lot for Mercedes to be excited about considering how lofty – like, their lofty expectations over the last decade or so. I think George Russell is definitely a bright spark. And I think he's um, – 
resilience just from being based in a team like Williams for so many years means that he's quite optimistic. And when he does get an opportunity to scrap with anybody, you can see how, how good he is at just kind of staying ahead of a car and scrapping and trying to extract the most from a situation, even in an underperforming car, which was really good to see. I think the Hamilton comments were... Um, They're just fun. Uh, it was fun. I mean, obviously, if you don't just like him... fuel for the haters. Yeah, that's right. If you don't like him, I think you're going to read into it more than if you do, because from a logical point of view, I can understand the logic of that as well. Um, but it's interesting to see. I mean, we made the comment in the preseason that if um, Russell is as competitive as Hamilton or if he's trumping Hamilton this year, you know, what does that mean for the world champion? Well, that conversation is going to have to pick up a little bit of steam because George is, is driving phenomenally well and Hamilton, you know, some through his own fault, some through circumstances out of his control kind of has to pick up the pace a little bit. Um, I don't know if you had any thoughts on that, Harry. Uh, I, well, I thought in the last few races, you know, he was going that way, but I think today, today showing, show that he still obviously can do it, but the hunger is still there, even after his little whinge. So mm. I don't know. I think we'll judge it later on in the season, see where the, the two guys are at. Mm. Well, let's move into the key topic of conversation as it pertains to Formula One right now. And it's, you know, interesting for us because he's our hometown boy. Um, He's been racing in Formula One for probably the majority of the time that we've been actively following it. Is you know now the longest-serving Australian driver in Formula One history, and it's Daniel Ricciardo, and he was um, very ordinary this week and was easily outdone by his teammate who has tonsillitis. So it has nothing to do with it. Anything. Yeah, and oh come on, listen, it's going to have something. You, if you're not at a hundred percent, you're obviously not racing at a hundred percent. Um, so we were giving we were giving Ricardo the benefit of the doubt when he came back from COVID. So you've got to give Lando a little bit of benefit when he's racing with tonsillitis and sneezing in his helmet. I mean, it's hardly the ideal situation to be racing in and having a fever. So I mean, we'll give you know give it the credence that you know whatever you want to do with it. But um, I think that it was a pretty under under underwhelming performance as an Australian fan. It's interesting because you kind of don't want to accept that there is a decline. Um, but as a fan of McLaren, the team, uh, I'm pretty, I've kind of lost most of my patience now. And I'm thinking about what they're going to do in 2023 because my, the reality is I don't want Ricardo there next year if he's going to be performing the way that he is. Yeah, well, he's, he's no long, short, long and short of it really is, is that the car is suboptimal, right? <laughs> And and yes, and yes, Lando is performing better in the suboptimal car. And mm. and 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 that's all well and good. And mm. and I'm surprised how much better he is performing. Mm. But it doesn't take anything away from that. The car is not what it needs to be. Yeah, but we've we've spent the whole we, like Formula One is all about beating your teammate. And we are aware that there is a pecking order and a hierarchy. We have a we have a, a nine-time yeah. world champion who can't beat his new teammate and i've just made the point in that the there's best team be, in the in the, in the on the grid and the point has just been made that at the end of this year there's going to have to be some serious conversations about what mercedes do i don't think and what, so. think and this, what hamilton's this, going to do this year is this year is such a is such a like a year of of testing for these new concepts i, I would i don't yeah, think but, anyone's but we 
in the off season, we had the conversation that it's a new year. Everybody starts with a blank yeah, but canvas. We, but, but we're but we're 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 professional shit talkers. That's what we are. I'm we, not talking shit. I'm just yeah, being like, we, we don't to the fact we don't know how hard it is to adapt to a to uh, a new a, to a new totally new concept of car. I, I and, said I'm and I'm yes, not... and, and Lando is a great young racer. Like I'm, we're not I'm not disputing no. that. But if I'm... we're gonna sack that if you're if you're considering getting rid of Danny Rick from McLaren and and, the, and and we haven't even con- like had the conversation that the car for whatever Listen, reason is sub regardless if the car was if the car was the best car on the grid this conversation still does not change because it's got nothing to do with the performance of the car. It's about the performance of the driver in relation to the teammate. Yeah, but the performance let, of let the driver... Let me finish, let me finish. The not comfortable in this piece of shit car. Like, that's what Joseph, I'm saying. The driver hasn't been comfortable for two years. And the car's okay. been shit for two years. The car was fighting for third in the World Championship last year. It won yeah, a race. It should have won Danny two Rick races. Then won the race. That's and the for the second half of last year, that's the it was point actually I'm going, considerably the, poor. This is the point I'm going to make, right? Lando, for the last two years with Carlos Sainz, was for the most part on par. They kind of back and forth. There was a good back and forth. Now, you can make the claim that he has improved, and I would probably make that uh, assertion as well. But Ricardo has had nothing on him all year. Even last week when he when he beat him in Q1, I'm like, okay, this is a chance for him to kind of ride that momentum and beat him in qualifying. And the same thing keeps happening. Qualifying, he's a few tenths off. Sometimes it's more than a few tenths. And in the race, moving back. Have you, you looked have you have you looked at their lap times from this from today? I haven't. There was, I think, between their fastest laps, I think the most of the difference there was four tenths. Okay, so that's, that's four tenths. That's fantastic. But that's so let's that's say, the fastest lap. That's the okay. and that's race. Uh, we know what race four, pace does. Four tenths is huge. Yeah, but in race pace, not really. Depending on strategy, no, etc. Four tenths for a fastest lap is huge. You could should be able to bang out. Each driver can bang out one fast lap. Yeah. Four tenths for a fastest lap is huge, man. Like not really. Depending on where they are on the track, depends well, on who's in front of them. Well, depends well, on. Okay, well let's say let's say that um, Lando is two tenths faster a lap. How long was that race? Was it 50 laps? 66. Okay. Do two tenths for time 66. You're going to have a pretty big dis- like, um, pretty big margin between the two drivers. And I, listen, I'm not even worried about this one race. Like if it was one race, I'd say it's one race. This has looked like a trend now for the better part of a year. Um, you guys made the claim in the middle of last year that in the second half of the year, in year two, Ricardo picks up the pace. Well, we are six races into year two now, and the trend is not changing at all. And the interesting thing is McLaren are going to get to the point where um, they're going to have to consider next year in the driver market. And you, we're talking about young yeah, drivers like but Gasly. Yeah, but the thing is McLaren. other thing, he's on $20 million, is isn't he? Isn't he on a $20 million pay packet? Who? To be coming 12th. Who? Ricardo. What are they going to pay Gasly when he comes? Less than that. You, you Less than twenty million. No, Gasly, Gasly, Gasly's not going not. to McLaren. He hasn't performed this year at all. I, do, I cannot see the only thing I can see changing in the driver market as of now is Vettel not being there. That's it. Mm-hmm. Like that's literally all Man, I can see. If you I think that McLaren, I, I honestly think if you think McLaren's yes, keeping McLaren, Ricardo McLaren's for another year, you are, you are. McLaren's biggest problem is their car. 
Like, have you they heard? Have to, they have to admit to themselves. Listen, that that car I, has I a understand. Problem. I understand oh. that the car's not perfect. I'm not arguing that. The, like, I'm not saying the car should be up the front. I'm not saying that Lando and Ricardo should be up the front. What I'm saying is, if Lando is coming ninth and qualifying ninth and eighth, and Ricardo is constantly finishing twelfth, eleventh, tenth, qualifying he's out of that, usually one position behind him, maybe two. Was, okay, well, he was three that last time. Okay, and three even if is he's actually not that much. Even if he's Joe. Come on, man. Have you this, hold on, hold this, on, this, hold on. This, this like blatant like denial of a trend. Dude, it's not denial. Like it's not even my team. I don't even give a shit. My team comes eighteenth and nineteenth okay, every then, week. Then, if you're looking at it objectively, how many points has Ricardo scored this year? I don't know. Probably like 11. 15. 11. How many yeah, scored okay. has Norris scored this year? I don't know. In six races. On how you. many? Thirty-nine. Okay, I'm not, dude. I, I didn't say that. If that's Ricardo's not Ricardo's been better than Norris, right. I'm saying the car. For, for whatever the reason, yeah, okay. But that argument doesn't he might stick, be a man. better driver. He might be a better driver. He's a better driver. Need, That's the point okay, I'm trying to make. Is. But like, what are you going to get a, a second better? And, and he, he's not that far back to get rid of him. They need to work on the car together Joe, as a team. He, they need to, Joe, if he dude, can't, the if is, he it's can't not even, like they're racing. They're not racing Red Bulls. They're not racing Ferraris. Yeah, they're driving Joe, a McLaren but, that they hyped up to high heaven. And has no, not lived up to you any are making results. an argument that doesn't make sense. I'm not talking about I'm the not. car, the car isn't great. I'm talking about every single race. It's not even like they're splitting qualifying 60%, 40%. Right now, it's a hundred percent zero. No, it's not. It's so five you, one. So five okay, five one. So let's go like a 90%, 10%. Big whooped. Okay, he is underperforming. You need to calm down, mate. You sound like Michael. No, I'm, I'm being honest. Like I can't, like you can't keep denying this. Like as a yeah, but have you looked at have you looked at the races that he either hasn't finished? He's had car yeah. issues. He's had damage. Yeah. Okay. He's had a car like, issues. Like oh uh, yeah. Which I one? don't. I don't. What do you mean? Which one? Which one? In which qualifying, in, in qualifying last week. Okay. His gearbox went. Mm-hmm. There was no. The, that wasn't last week. Two weeks ago. Yeah. Well, the last race. Mm-hmm. Today, apparently, he had issues with the rear, the rear slipping out. Mate, like, I'll, I'll be honest with you. He can have issues with the rear tyres. Like, everybody was having issues with the rears. But that's... that's no, I think the McLaren of, was worse. Yeah, but yeah, you do, we had a conversation in Australia when we, we all admitted that he should have finished ahead of Norris. But we said there's no point of them risking a collision, swap, swap, stooping, um, flipping their positions, even though Norris was struggling. Yeah, and what did I, I mean, say then? I said he still wasn't ahead of Norris. Yeah, but he wasn't because it's team orders. Yeah, but he still wasn't. But, if he was in, the, if he was ahead of Norris, if he qualified argue, better, yeah. he would have been ahead of him. But he wasn't. But my uh, my argument is your argument is that he should once be. Get, you, you're arguing he should have been. He should have. They should get rid of him next year. That's your argument. My argument. We're is saying that, that regard. We're saying regardless of if he's better than Norris or not, getting rid of him doesn't fix the problem that McLaren has. No, but McLaren needs. McLaren has to deliver their drivers second. a competitive car. Yes, That's their the, obligation. I understand that. But how do you deliver a more competitive car? The, well, one of the issues that you can't have is one driver who's constantly outperforming the other. But he's not that far off. They're but very off. close every time. So he's off. He's off. Yeah, but one of them's always going to be better. 5-1. You've made the argument for me. Dude, one of them is always going to be fucking better. How hard is it for you to understand? But it's not how much, it's not how who's better. It's how close they are in terms of times. And as a team, they pretty much have bad races, and good races and bad qualifiers and good qualifying literally within one or two positions of each yeah. other. But so it's a those... consistent thing. Yeah. And, and, and within the, the team fight, Norris is finishing ahead. We're not disputing that. 
but the trend of good race, bad race, good for qualifying, bad qualifying I is a team problem. I understand the issue. Because if, 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 Le- if Lando was coming first in every race and Danielic was coming second, you'd say he's a good second driver and we're going to keep him for next season. This wouldn't even be an argument. Okay. But because they're so, finishing ninth and 11th or 5th and 6th and then ninth and 11th and then 10th and 12th or something like that, it's, it's somehow a bigger problem than it is. Well, I don't, think Daniel, is, is that I don't think Daniel Ricciardo McLaren, would need McLaren's, McLaren to be a second driver. It's not. McLaren's problem is, is that they went into, they, they always overhype their car. They always talk so much smack at the start of seasons. And then their fans have got this sort of hyped up mentality when the season starts. And then they come to race one or race two and then losing to Alpines. And they're like, what's going on? Their car, I'll be honest with you, their car is not that bad. It's fickle. Yes. Sometimes it performs better than others. When it performs well. Dude, it's it's shit. No, it's, it's not shit. shit. It's not shit. A car that can't perform at one track and then can perform, it is shit. No, no. It's, it has major problems because they can't understand the it. That's the problem. They can't understand, they can't, the yeah, but they can't understand their car. Yeah, through, through, not through their own performance, through other, Dude, other the, cars. At the pace that they're going, they're not going to finish fourth from the championship. No, because at the, at the, at, at okay. the rate we're seeing Alpine well, come up, they're not, yeah. going to fin- they're not going to finish out of Alpine. Uh, Alpine's okay, had so-, so many issues like DNFs and et cetera. That's the only reason why Alpine's so, not ahead of them. So let me pull this. Okay, well, that, that's about their performance. You're talking about this car being a poor performing car. DNFs is due to the performance of other teams as well. But let's say this. If, if Lando's the top driver now and you've said that he's performing better than Ricardo and he's got 39 points, if Daniel yeah. Ricardo has 20 points, which is half of the haul of Lando, right, they're closer to third. In the championship, yeah. Okay. However, he's yeah, got a quarter of the points, man. His is the only car out of the two that's had mechanical issues. With all due respect, for the last eighteen months, I've been hearing the um the Daniel Ricciardo. This this, this poor he, poor guy had this. Poor guy had that. Poor guy had this. In qualifying for eighteen months, he's been underperforming. But he's that's, never been a strong it, qualifier. We've mate, he's never he been had, a strong qualifier. He has been a good qualifier. He's only got three pole positions. Yeah, but think about the cars that he was driving. When was he ever driving a car that could beat a Mercedes? He's 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 my he's 2014. Right. What I have he was beating with. Vettel, he was beating Hulkenberg, he was beating um Kvyat when he was racing against him. He is a good qualifier. He's a, he's an he's an ace driver. Well, he was an ace driver, and I don't think his head or heart's in it anymore. He's That's- he's my problem is we are not we are just over one quarter through the season, right? Mm. There is so long to go. There is so long to go, right? Mm. And this is this is the same thing I have with you and Michael and the told Jack Miller thing is that when we we have barely scratched the surface of the potential of the cars of going to these new tracks of getting dude. When we get three quarters through the season and we're having this conversation, yeah, I will admit it hundred percent. But we are so no, we we haven't even we just got to Europe. Give us. Get to halfway through the season, and then we'll have this conversation. With all due respect, Formula no, One moves about, faster than that because yeah, by halfway dude, through the season, the lineups for next year will be made. But you know what? Then I can't convince you because your your heart is already. Yeah, out but of you it. don't look at trends, but like you can, we can make the same argument about the whole Jack Miller scenario. Everything no, I say not, about Miller is based on historic trend. It's not historic trends because I'm not going to get into this right now. This is an F1 podcast, mm. but all I'm saying is is that let's get to a a, a place where we're not having car problems. We're not having these, when the teams actually understand the cars, 
and then we then we have these conversations but jumping yes. the gun but but like you, you you keep talking about the car right and my but argument the car has nothing is not up to snuff okay but look that's the okay. biggest problem okay he's so, not gelling so, with the car it's two years in a row he's not gelling with the car right yeah so he's still, he's still got a race win last year yeah. still yeah. got a race win in the second half of last season he out scored lando considerably okay, so, yeah yeah no, no. all right keep we're, going we're, we're, I, I was talking yeah we're six races in mm. and we're having this got like i'm yeah, with joe is... we wait till halfway through and we say yeah okay so at halfway through if the same thing's happening and he's been unlucky for another six races do you then concede because this is the other thing right let's okay let's use your shit car analogy joe okay i watched someone in what? a williams have a shit car for three years and constantly mm. perform. And every time mm. I watched him, Russell. I'm like, okay, this guy's going to be a gun. This guy's going to be a gun. Doesn't matter how shit the car was, he was constantly performing. The eye test didn't lie. You got Ricardo now in a shit car, okay? A car that bloody Norris finished on the podium win, okay? Shit yeah, but car. These are all, like these are in, these are in, man, the rate, the only, the, the best race Norris had, Ricardo had uh, mechanical gremlins. That was, was the best damage. race. He hit. He hit science. Whatever. He had yeah. some kind of problem. That was the best race that. But um, that's also that's still self-inflicted somewhat. Like yeah, it's a racing but, incident. But it's not. It's yeah. Not, it, was, it was. A, it was a racing incident. I'm not disputing it was a racing incident, but it's not like. Anyway, I mean, I feel like you're jumping the gun so pretty much. Like when you, I did not Mate. come in here expecting to have, have a conversation mm. about Danny Ricardo's Formula One future yeah, after right. this race. Like I was like, I, I was like, yeah. Car's not that good. Mate, the whole race, the whole race. I was Dude, if, if if Norris looked even somewhat competitive this race as well, because he he was in he had a nothing race. I'd be like, you know what? Where's Danny Rick? But I saw mm. Norris was like what ninth or eighth or something. He was and ninth. Danny Rick was yeah, he was ninth, and Danny Rick was like eleventh. Was twelfth. Okay, so Norris got two points this race, and mm. Danny Rick got nothing from whatever scenarios and and, and strategies that you can conjure. Mm. It wasn't like a Norris even made a blip on 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 anyone's mind during the race can i can they, i just they, throw, were, they were piss poor to get like the, the team was piss poor this weekend can i just throw one other thing at you just like we'll talk about um the whole like you talked about imola being lando's best race and then ricardo being unlucky right that can work i'll like i'll i will give you that yeah but, if, but if, also, if you let the season run long enough you'll get these swings and roundabouts and they'll sort of i know but do you know what a bit more when, when we talk about Lando's best race, that in some, like there was fortune and there was unluckiness for Ricardo in that race, like taking that out of the equation, do you know what the margin, the qualifying margin was in that race between Lando and Ricardo? Have a guess. And yeah. what would you say, what would you say would be a mad, bad margin for two teammates? Man, anything over one tenth, I think, is a bad margin. Anything over one tenth. What would you say, Harry, is a bad margin? Yeah, one or two tenths. You know how how far behind he was, from half a, te- half a second from Lando. He was six tenths, six tenths in qualifying. So regardless of, I think so you're taking your sample size from one quality. And I'm just saying is because you said that was Lando's best race and he got lucky in that race. So I'm saying regardless of what happened to Ricardo on the first lap, there was already a big performance discrepancy with Lando qualifying third and him qualifying sixth. Look, I'm not disputing he's underperforming. But yeah, I think but I, I think writing him off from Formula One for good is going a step too off. far. But I'm saying maybe he's not McLaren. Maybe he needs to Dude, jump what is McLaren? McLaren at the moment is a subpar team. That, that's what you have to get through your head. 
Yeah, but at if, the moment, even if you're a sub, even if you're a sub subpar team. team, you're not like if you're a subpar team, whatever that means to you, and you've it got someone like Pierre Gasly, who over the last <laughs> couple of years has been performing fairly well, except for this year, for example, right? He's an ace. I would say that he's at this stage, he's got more to prove. Well, not more to prove, but he's got more to give to McLaren than than Ricardo. I don't know, mate, because we saw Pierre in a big team and he faltered massively. It's true. So. It's true. Uh, yeah, it's true. There's definitely that argument too. But with what Ricardo's doing and with how, like, he's off it. Like, he's just off it. Now, like, I'm not saying that he's stopped. Like, he's a, I love him. You might I love have him. any confidence in this new car. That's all it could be a confidence thing. 100%. And I think that's what we saw today with the, the rear. He just had no confidence in that I'm car. I'm telling you, out of every, the only driver, I think, at the moment in these six races who has performed in a way that um, I'm genuinely surprised how bad how bad it has looked. There's Carlos probably Sainz. Been, or Carlos Sainz. Well, Carlos Sainz is fine because he just signed a, a massive new deal anyway. Mm-hmm. But he hasn't looked that good. Is Seb and Stroll. They're the only people. Like, yeah, and I agree. They have and to go. They're and I think, and, that's and, it. and Latifi. Yeah. yeah. That's Latifi's it. bloody spent $5 million already of the team's budget for fixing chassis. Um, but I don't know, boys. I, just, I, think, like, I, I was I watching the race I'm, last you're, you're, night. It's and, a storm in a teacup. Yeah, but you moment. know the other thing is, Joe, like, I watch the race every week. And yeah, but you watch I'm the race looking. through McLaren's eyes. I get like, that. You watch... I get Ma, that, but I watch I watch every lap, eyes. every qualifying session, evaluating those two against each other. Do you know? Do you know how? Do you know how? And it's becoming pretty glaring. To follow a team like McLaren, mm. who has who has forty something points. Mm. I agree. Yeah, I get that. And I, you don't know how much I would love to have Ricardo bloody being the number one driver and absolutely killing it. But from an objective point of view, but like, but you, I'm becoming what, what, less and less convinced. Yeah, like I, I'm. I'm his biggest fan, you know that. And if he doesn't turn it around this year, I don't think I'll replace him for 23. I just don't think there's anyone that could, that could possibly replace him with that would perform better in the car. Because I think Pierre is not at Lando's level. I think Daniel on his day is better than Pierre. I just would, think, yeah. Would you, would you be surprised if the trajectory continues to trend the way that it is if he was out of McLaren next year? Would that surprise you? I don't know where he goes because I can't see him stepping down to another team. Aston Martin, if they get rid of Seb, 100%. Because he's a big name still. He's a big big uh, name. At the moment, and I keep saying this, have to provide a stable car that can perform week in, week out. And when they have that platform... The, and 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 it's con- we can consistently see at least one of them performing at a consistent baseline. Then you know that it's all the driver thing. But until you can provide something stable for your drivers, even if it's a a, a car that is not as has um, lower what is it lower peaks but also higher troughs, is that mm. it's, it's it has a it has a at least then the driver can consistently say, okay, this is exactly a what got underneath me. Yeah, but until then. The cars, I mean, the, mean. The, the dude. If, if if they could go out in the shade and the car would fucking fly, and then if the sun broke cover and it became a hot day, that car they could literally go from like fourth and fifth on the grid to last. Like that's how like, yeah, I get that. particular that car is. I get that. So but until even you can, but until you can provide a stable basis for your drivers, what confidence can you have? Maybe am- Lando can drive a more unstable car. I I genuinely think he's lacking confidence in that car, and and maybe 
in himself. Further. Maybe in himself at the moment because he can't extract the pace. And I think that's where the issue is. Do you think some of his comments recently and the rhetoric that is coming out from his interviews would suggest that he might be kind of at the end of his, not the end of his straw with Formula 1, but kind of he realises that he might have been in the like in it for long enough now and he's kind of looking elsewhere? He addressed this last week. Mm. Well, when, when you have a driver that's who hasn't won a championship saying that they're at peace not winning a championship, mm. that kind of tells yeah, that's me... That's nearly every F1 driver in history. I, th- is I that, think is that peace with not winning it. That's nearly F one. Nearly F, every F one driver in history needs to be at peace with not winning it. I think. I think that comment was um, essentially. I know if I don't get given the car, I'm not going to win. It was not the the dr of old where I'm going to be world champion. I'm getting no mm. matter what. I think it's now. Right. If That's I can't get the if I can't get the car, and it comes from maturity. If I can't get the car, I'm not going to do it. But there's also come from... Dude, there are, like, this year there's, there's 17 drivers who have to have come to that realisation already. Yeah, but I also, Joe, but it's, it's one thing to be, to be realistic that you won't be able to achieve it this year, but it's another thing to be at peace never achieving it. When definitely, mate, if you were to look at Ricardo in his Red Bull times, the, the Red Bull was nowhere near as, um, hmm. as effective as the Mercedes, but until it was mathematically not a possibility, he was charging to the tune that, he could potentially still be world champion. Yeah, but that could be an indictment of McLaren because maybe he, uh, when he went there, he, that he was promised or he he believed that they could actually build a car that would could compete with the big teams, and we know that that's not happening this year. And maybe he's like, well, if it doesn't happen this year, then it might not happen ever. Like they was, just. But even even within the like, you can say it's mm-hmm. McLaren. Even with, even if he was to be the world champion of McLaren between those two drivers, there's right no such now, thing. He, I know. Hypothetically, he's sucking right now at that. Dude, season. but if there was a car that was good enough for Lando to be world champion, he would have a sniff. But the he car would, isn't even. He'd have to beat Lando. He'd have to beat Lando, and that's yeah. But that's, maybe that's the car would be so good to. he could extract from it. That, the car would be so good for Lando to win, he could extract from it. I mean, at, maybe at the end of the day, circles. The dude's unperforming. We get that, but I have faith that he'll. I still, it's it's. I still have faith that he'll come good. Eventually. I bought his T-shirt this year. That's how much I hate mate, him, right? Mate, look, I got his hat. I still bought his shirt this year. I wore it to Bathurst last week. So it's not look, it's not out of want, want or desire. It's just out of... You know, the timesheet doesn't lie at the end of the day. And that's kind of where, I, where, yeah, I'm, where I'm... Yeah, and, and I'm with you. As I said, he's 100% not extracting the performance. And I do think mm. the guy's having issues mm. within, him, within himself. Mm. And I don't know. Something's happening in quality. Something's happening. He can't get the he can't get the pace out. But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, any other any other talking points from F one that you guys wanted? To, you reckon? Oh, yeah. I think let's I think it, the let's, rumor, leave the, right, let's leave it there. Yeah, all right. Let's leave it there. I think we can we can keep we can keep um flogging this horse, mate, <laughs> till it loses all its skin. Um, let's start talking a bit about some supercars action from the weekend. So a bit of racing at Winton. Um, yep. We had a super Did you read sprint. my points? I didn't. Do you want to, do you want to, um, do you want to facilitate this conversation, Joey? Oh, yeah. I just, I just wrote some, I think a few um, key Are you going to start with a welcome, welcome, welcome again? <laughs> welcome to welcome, welcome to the supercars part of this podcast. Yeah. Um, <coughs> sorry. So my first um, sort of topic I wanted to discuss was um, I titled it Waking Mr. Waters because mm. um, 
I was, I was genuinely surprised and not surprised. I was happy, really happy to see the cam waters that we know like mm. exists, you know, mm. and he sort of through team prob like team performance as well as mm. um, maybe a bit of himself, but I've also uh, got to point a few ones down that I think can also link into this for mm. whatever reason we haven't seen how good of a racer Cam Waters actually is this year. Mm. Um, he's been involved in a few incidents and like sometimes just all the Tickford cars have really performed. Yeah, Tickford have underperformed bad. this year again. Like they're, um, I said a couple of weeks ago, right? Tickford this year have been on a downward trajectory and I made the claim, I think in our last supercar segment that they had been like just overtaken realistically by um, Walkinshaw just in relation to team performance. Well, um, and here's, I, here's, here's the, the crazy thing. Waters yep. is actually third in the championship. I know, Chaz second, has dropped to six. Second. Second. Third. Yeah. Oh, Dee Pasquale might be ahead of him actually. Yeah, no, I think still. I'm, okay. Yeah, yeah. Deepak is still second. Yeah. Uh, Waters is third. And then Will Davidson, yep. Reynolds, and then Mostert. Because yep. Walkinshaw have had two weekends to sort of forget. Yep. Um. Do you think it's but, do you think it's him waking up or do you think it's the team no I think it's, figuring it's, something out I think it's I think it's um well that Tickford have been relatively good at Winton um for, for well, he's the last never he's never years. he's never had a podium there before he hasn't but like they've never been bad they're like it's not a bogey track to them and they can and they test yeah. there Mostert has had some good races at Winton in the past to be honest with you yeah when Mostert was at when Mostert was at Tickford was at Tickford that's right yeah so like I feel like it could be a combination of many things but to go to actually win the whole weekend so two wins and a second Mm. and to genuinely for it to be a a race where he never looked like um, it was by accident that he was winning, mm. and it was, ne- and it never looked like that he didn't have a bit extra when 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 Giza got close to him. Mm. I thought was um, was awesome to see, and I don't even like Tickford, but I thought it was such a good weekend for him, especially. I think I think the biggest thing um, for Waters this week, I, like I, I argue that he's been underperforming this year. I think just the team has been that bad, and if you look at the um, all the cars as a whole, like they've been pretty ordinary. But I think the biggest thing for Tickford was they've got on top of their qualifying pace, if only at Winton. And that has given him a springboard to to win those races. Because in race one, um, he his qualifying pace was awesome and his starts were awesome. So he put himself from the off in the best position to win the race. Um, but we yeah. did see in race one, that SVG definitely had the pace over him. He just couldn't get past. In race two, um, SVG was able to get past on a really a spectacular move and he won the race by six seconds. So the overall pace of the Tickford car race pace is still not at the level that it needs to be to compete or to chase down the triple eight. But as we saw in race three, if Waters was able to stay ahead and at the end, I have to give him some credit because Van Gisbergen came back with three new tyres and three fresher tyres and he's still able to to hold him out. Um, but I think that it was more based on track position as opposed to the genuine pace of the car. Um, and I, I think we've seen it before. We saw it last year in Townsville. If Van, if um, Waters has a lead over Van Gisbergen, um, then he does make it really hard for um, for Giza to get through. And he's very good this, leading from the front. Mm, really and this good. week, 
this week we saw two out of three of those situations he was able to to get the job done. Um, and even in the in the second race when he did lose um, the position, he could have maybe moved across half a meter more to close off that space a bit more. But then it, you know, I, I didn't really have much argument with with that um, aggression either. So I think he had a really good race. I think the team might have unlocked a bit of qualifying pace, um, yeah. but there's still definitely some race pace that needs to be um, unlocked. Now the other part of that debate is is it is it triple eight that is that far ahead or is it just svg and that's no, probably I another i think it's triple eight but it's svg i mean i've i've considered triple eight but it's svg like like triple eight is is the best team on the grid we're not disputing that so you're saying feeney's not extracting the performance well feeney's a rookie like i'm not ex- yeah, like for, for where, for where he is he's mm. actually exceeding no, my expectations yeah. i think i think i think uh, probably proves the point that triple eight is performing really well because if you look at him as your rookie and he's doing quite well he's doing better than Percat he's doing better than Randall like he's doing Perkett's better than trash yeah so the whole I team was trash this weekend I, I think yeah oh, what has got was in the top ten but like Mostert. Yeah, sorry Mostert was in the top five for two races like it wasn't mm. trash but it was yeah, but they're struggling yeah but Think back did, to the they, first couple of rounds, but they were yeah, but these, challenging these, for these, these are the tracks that they struggle at every year. Like these, this is this is the part of the season when I, when I just hide in hide in my shell for a couple of weeks and then wait <laughs> for us to. They struggle at the, the the kind of the rural tracks. Say the they wind, perform the they windy perform, track. They perform, they perform on the, on the tracks stage. where there's a big TV audiences and everybody's <laughs> there. But at the little little bloody Queensland raceways yeah, you know, and you know Winston raceways and that. You know what it is? They they perform at track. They perform at big tracks. Because yeah. big tracks have got straights and then nice, mm. nice point like it's point and shoot. But mm. all these tracks that have like the long bends and stuff, mm. go kart tracks essentially. They can just like twisty and windy. Set up a, they have not been no. able to set up cars there since mm. fuck since the last ten years. They did a ride at Tassie, didn't they? Yeah, but not like yeah, but Tassie's point and shoot. It's three corners. It's, yeah, yeah, true. Um, you know, um, obviously, Walkinshaw underperformed this year, but. There has to, and even we're talking about Tickford underperforming, but I think some of this underperformance, I think, has to be attributed to um, improvements in other teams on the grid, particularly when you see Grove Racing and how well they've come on this year. They're literally taking another two spots out of the top ten. Did you the, like my the, little my little point? How, what how, was your point? I said Grove Racing is hitting their groove. Uh-huh. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a bit of a poet. Um, yeah. No, they've been awesome. Like, they've actually the last two weekends, especially, especially mm. I can see them building some momentum. But there was mm. one part I was actually found it quite humorous because SGV, at, SVG at the front, then there was Waters, there was um, there was Reynolds. Waters, Reynolds, Holdsworth, Mostert, and I think Anton all there. And mm. I was like, this is nearly <coughs> all of Port, the new forward performance sort of um. Of, um, Behind. of of next year's racing or hunting SVG. Mm. And I was thinking like, what other Chevy team is going to throw itself into the, mm. into the mix to really sort of like rattle that chasing pack. Mm. Um, Cause like, we're going to have such a, well, I suppose I'm getting ahead of myself, but I just thought it was an interesting. Um, I'm Gardner had a great race. Yeah, um, Heimgardner looked really good. He always he's always pulls out a good race every now and then, but then some races he just gets mired. But I, I think do that's like Brad Jones racing. Mm, stuff. It's true. Yeah. Um like so he had, had a really, the exact same problem. 
Yeah. He, he did have a good race. So I was pretty um, impressed with that one performance. But it's a good point because a lot of the chasing teams behind AAA are going to Ford performance. I think, um, sorry, just uh, Dick Johnson Racing, Shaw V Power, um, they've kind of come back in the pack a little bit. And Anton, ever since, um, did, he, did he win a race at Sydney Motorsport Park this year? No. Yeah, I think so. Nah, well, he, he, last year, last year, he, he hasn't, he, he, he hasn't been as as uh, a good race weekend last weekend, was it? I think he's just but consistent. They haven't been, they haven't been as yeah. consistent as I thought. Like they haven't been as high up as I thought. To be I honest, think, I mean, I think the Wilbur had a great race meet. Been, I think mm. every team other than Triple Eight has got bogey mm. tracks, and they they mm. up and down, and they and they take points off each other. Whereas the one consistent is that SVG is going to be in the top two every race. Like he's got more than a three, he's got a 300 point lead already in the championship. And then there's 150 points between second and sixth. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But you know what? Like, <laughs> it's interesting. Like he hasn't had a bad race yet, but he will, he'll have a DNF and that will bring the um, championship True. back down. He has to break his leg and miss a whole round because 300 points is a round. <laughs> no, I mean like if he, say he has a DNF in one race. Um, that's 100 that drops- points. 150 points, you know what I mean? Like that's 100 just, points on, a, on one of these weekends with three races. Oh, well, 100 points then, you know. Um, I'm sure that there's going to be yes, to smash up Bathurst. Um, but he's yeah, he's definitely pretty dominant. I think what he's we, I, I, what I've realized is that the racing between McLaughlin when he was here and SVG was we took something it for to behold. Yeah, we did take it for granted because of the fact that there was two of those drivers at that peak level and two teams that were able to perform at that level and probably Dude, two drivers that, it, that that took the cars beyond the level that they should have been performing to I take think on it each also other shows how it's pretty fantastic it also shows how good mclaughlin was mm. like mm. in terms of the sport because he was like when he was at his at the top mm. he was untouchable he was better than svg he was undoubtedly. He was yeah. better than SVG, and then if, if SVG and Wind Cup got a win, it was a it was sort of a thing to write about. Mm. And um, but really, no one can touch SVG even half as much as they were touching McLaughlin. Well, this is what you I wanted I mean? to probably have just a, a few minutes to chat about today. Do you think that all things being equal between SVG, Waters, and Mostert? Like if they were all driving the same triple eight car, you think they would be all at the same level? Because t- like it's obvious, Tickford is not like I think Waters is definitely pulling Tickford. Tickford don't have enough good like, drivers, I think. Like that's their biggest problem mm, to um, push the team forward. I think Walkinshaw's biggest problem is that they're they're racing a car that was designed by the team they're trying to beat, mm-hmm. and and that and that in itself has got has got its own problems. Mm. Um, I mean, there is a reason why they don't want to be racing the same car as Triple Eight, especially now that Triple Eight is design is, you know, doing all the R and D on that on that Camaro. Like, but you can say the same thing for Tickford and and and. But it's not Penske, because Tickford and Penske, Tri- Penske the, and Tickford did had had a had a when the Mustang was designed, it was, it was a, it was a, a team effort. Like they had both sides involved in, in the designing process and the building process. But it was definitely yeah. more skewered towards Penske. Yeah, but you would want that because they were the better team at the time. Mm. But Walker Troy is a proper customer of, of AAA. Mm. I mean, 
and and the other thing that Walkinshaw have like at the start of the whole process of building up that car, that car was nowhere close to AAA, and 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 over the years they keep cutting away, hmm. but they can never catch up because AAA then make a step and they cut half of it, and then they get a bit closer and then they get a bit closer. And I think the other thing is that a lot of it is Chaz as well. Like Chaz, Chaz is is a overperforming again. Yeah. Well, he did the same thing at Tickford. He's doing Chaz things. I guess to answer your question, Ant, from what I've seen, if they were all in the same car, it just seems that SVG is more consistent. He's putting, he's he's just the same every lap, every race, every lap. Mm. But I think, like, if you look at, like, I'll keep talking about Waters because I've, you're a Tickford. Follow here. Yeah. But also because, like, I'm, like, I'm looking at his lap times every lap. I mean, Mm. I've, I would, I could make the argument that he's extracting everything from the car, but the car has less to give than the triple eight. Do you know what I mean? Like when I watched him on the weekend, it was obvious that um, that he was like every lap was a perfect. Like there was, he made one mistake on the second last lap um, where he kind of went through the first first turn a little bit too aggressively and he lost about three tenths of a second. But apart from that, from a purely objective point of view there was really nothing that he did wrong he was just being chased by a driver in a car that was faster do you know what i mean well, well do you think if all three were in the same car i would love to see it i, did, I couldn't tell you who was the best yeah. um and like as much as i like to give Mostert shit because he's you know his final year at tickford he, he cost us a bathurst 1000 um you know he's been awesome he's been awesome for wau he's He's pulled up that team, you know, and and turned them into a team with some real, you know, forward trajectory and upward trajectory moving into the new era of supercars. And you can't take that for granted. Um, And then if you look at him even last week, right? So he's at the Bathurst 12 hour racing against some of the greatest GTC drivers. You've got Ricardo Fella in the same car. You had Kelvin Vanderlinde in the same car. Man, his first two sectors at Bathurst, were down in qualifying and he just still managed to put it on pole fairly convincingly. So there's no argument that in the the broader spectrum of races internationally, the guy's got some some huge talent. I just would love to see those three drivers all in the same car. Just just as an exercise in, you know, where the really as an exercise to see how far behind Triple Eight those two chasing teams are. Well, he's, he's probably the uh, uh, interesting thing going into next year. You've got Van Gisbergen in Triple Eight. You've got De Pasquale in Dick Johnson Racing. You've got Waters in um, Tickford. Tickford. You've got Reynolds in Grove. And then you've got Mostert in um, Walkinshaw. I think, give or take, you would say they've the, been the five best drivers in um, V8 supercars over the last, let's say, three years like consistently and they're all in different teams. I mean, I think next year is going to be fingers crossed. So interesting because with how the whole engine parity has been worked and the um, way that these cars have been developed, mm. it's, I mean, you're taking away a lot of that like sort of um, factory feel from each team having sort of different, um, different ways of setting up cars. But what we're going to see is who is actually the best driver or who, which team can set up the car the best from like those from sort of the same baseline 
Like, mm-hmm. there's not going to be like many tricks that teams can play and stuff because everyone's using very, very similar machinery. Yeah. Um, Do you think? So, oh, sorry, one more thing. If, if if SVG wins the championship again as convincingly as he had as he as he did last year, is there mm-hmm. any uh, consideration in him to look elsewhere for a new challenge? I think SVG. Like I think SVG could, yeah. but I think he'd do a different. He's older. Thing he's probably he's, he's older than McLaughlin. That's the other thing. I would see him going to do stuff like um, doing like a some LMP racing to do like a Le Mans and then do some rallying and stuff. He likes a bit of everything. Yeah. But the thing is though, I, I like I get the vibe that he just he's he's a supercars driver. He loves supercars and he'll do bits mm. and pieces here and there. But like mm. he's. I get sort of like a wind cup vibe, like they're, they're supercar drivers. Yeah. But it's definitely I mean? interesting. I think, I think the, at the very least, what we can take away from this weekend of, of supercars was that Tickford, uh, whether it's just qualifying pace, have had some upturn in fortune. It's definitely brought Waters back into the championship. I mean, he was sitting in sixth or seventh um, only a couple of race meets ago, and he's, you know, he's only 10, 10 points or so behind pasquale now i think it's just a handful of points so he's definitely back in the championship um consideration i think grove if they keep on the trajectory that they're on i mean it looks like bringing in couchy was a inspired move bringing holdsworth back in he was a little bit shaky in the first two rounds but he's um definitely been pulling his weight um in in the in the um team championship so that team's looking fantastic. And I think, yeah, it was a little bit of a blip for WAU over the last two two race meets. But uh, if there's anything that we know about um, Mostert is that, you know, he's, I think we, do we go to Queensland Raceway in a couple of rounds? Are we racing at Queensland this year? Townsville, that's first. Well, Townsville are different, is, town. a, is again a different track. That's a good track for Tickford, just thinking about it. It's also a good track for Mostert. So mm. hopefully they're able to, um, to, Again, at least make it competitive. I don't care if SVG wins, but I don't want to see him winning by 10 seconds at the end of a race. So as long as they can keep it competitive, right. I think that's the most important thing for the sport as well, just so it doesn't become, you know, uh, kind of an expectation before the race has even been run that there's not right. going to be any competition to Within it. that procession. Well, yeah, just quickly, right. Before we end on the supercars, just quickly answer me this question then, because it was my last point. Mm. It was... Um, do we think that pennies are being putting being put away for the 2023 season in supercars, knowing that the end of the of this whole era is like is upon us, and sort of like will teams be as interested or not interested, but, but like, do you take the short term game to put some cash aside like, for like next year, limiting R and D? Yeah, because it's like it's it's like how much can you really gain? Like, even yeah. like to to like, do you want to? Do you just go there and just use what you've got mm. rather than sort well, of check? Like, because because we know that like Triple Eight is already limiting their R and D for this year, mm. and you can imagine other teams doing it because why not? You know, actually have more money in the bank for when the, when like development on this of this new car and getting on top of it quicker is going to help mm. you in the for many more years to come. I think the further next year, the further SVG pulls ahead, I think the more teams will start doing that. But I think I think something that has to be considered also is that, like this current generation of car, most it's teams, old. 
it's old and most teams have probably made all the maxed out. Uh, yeah, they've probably maxed out R and D and each race meet now is just trying to maximize the packages that they have. I don't think that there's a lot more uh improvement to be made through engineering. Like I might be wrong. It's a minor point. improvement. That's no, a good point. So I think like there's probably a point that they're not doing as as much R and D anymore, but I don't think it's because I don't think it's having as big an impact as one might think because they've probably already maxed out like they've got to the ceiling of these cars and um, you know they are ready ready for the new cycle as well. So I don't yeah I don't know. They're probably working on setups more than anything every weekend. Yeah, that's right. And I think there's enough like if you look at Tickford, if you look at Walkinshaw um their setups have been you know track to track have been chalk and cheese so i think there's enough issues there just trying to get a good baseline to cater for these different circuits something that's funny as well is that you've got like grove now that's run by someone who's from triple eight you've got um you've got um uh, premier premier racing that's run by someone from triple eight but that's the same base car then you've Mm. got someone at um so you's got Slade, what is it? Blanchard Racing. Hogan. Got, yeah, they've got someone from like all the team, the guys who have changed teams are actually working on a different car than they used to as well. Mm. So, like, actually stealing a setup doesn't work. Like, you can't just go, Oh, this is what we did in this. Like, even like Walkinshaw have um, Mozzie and um, Debore, but they you can't mm. go, Oh, when we're at Tickford, we could do this in this situation because mm. it's a totally different car. So, like, really like piggybacking that kind of knowledge that won't really work. <laughs> The other thing that we are seeing is that some of our smaller teams in the series are definitely more competitive. And the the, yeah. the medal for the midfield, particularly with, excuse me, teams like Blanchard, Blanchard realistically, they've taken a step back this year. No, um, he's in the top 10, but he's ninth. But he hasn't been like as competitive as he was. Like, like he hasn't been as far up the front as he was last year. Um, mm. You know, regardless, yeah. but I think you've got, more teams, Matt Stone is more competitive. You've got Premier that have, considering it's their first year, have made like a 300% increase on what Techno were doing. And mm. to consider that Techno had Fabian Coulthard as well and they were languishing as low as they were, just shows mm. how bad the team was. Um, BJR are BJR. Um, they're kind of always fluctuating. Um, so, it's, But it's definitely made the battle in the midfield much more competitive. And then you're also seeing that if a team like Tickford or a team like WAU isn't performing as well or isn't on their game in a particular round, it's not as easy to get into the top five as it used to be, which mm. is good, which is good for the category, I think. Mm. Definitely compressed. Like just everyone's performing at such a high level. It's, it's, it's a, you yeah. can't just blow by cars that you could have done five years ago. Like, like you know that used to be sort of an uh, everyday commonplace kind of thing that's probably another that's probably another um example of how teams are kind of maxing out their performance levels of their car so there's teams that were performing lower in the past and now kind of catching up because there isn't as much ceiling for those for those front-running teams to reach um let's end on the um just a quick synopsis on our experience of the bathurst 12 hours so we went up to bathurst um last weekend um 10 days ago, we put out the interview with uh, Marcel from Valmont Racing. And that's, you know, really interesting interview. It's good to get the opinions of a gentleman driver. And on Sunday morning, we made the dreary and wet <laughs> drive up to Bathurst. It was definitely not the um, easiest day to go 
up the uh, mountain. You got a behind-the-scenes look, but mate, what an awesome day it was! We got to sit behind um, Belmont Racing's pit box for a couple of hours when it was raining. They were kind enough to let us, you know, get out of the rain and in their uh, the back of their garage, which was really awesome to see. Um, they were a fantastic um, group of guys. The fact that they were so willing to talk to us and be hospitable to us as a bunch of, you know, no names um, when they're trying to obviously run a 12 hour race, um, speak volumes about them. But, you know, what was your opinions of the weekend, Joe? Um, I was, I was genuinely surprised, not surprised. I was pleasantly surprised with the weekend. Like, mm. I mean, uh, how do I say this nicely? I definitely had tempered my expectations for the, for the weekend in itself, considering that there was so many, such a like lack of, of um sort of There's cars. No depth of field, yeah. Yeah, like we 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 we've been spoiled for choice for the last what three years we've gone up. We've had 40, 50 cars in the race, mm-hmm. and we've had nearly every big factory GT sort of conglomerate come down every year. So it's sort of been um uh, GT fans' wet dream. So this year was a was a, was a bit different. Um, Sky, all wet but, dreams. But um, I mean, I had said this to you before the race. I said you better come with me because we have to put our mm. sort of our money where our mouth is. Mm, that's right. In in a, in an event that we have got sort of our Australian teams putting on a show for us, and mm. it's so easy for for races to be forgotten after a couple of years if they're not mm. on. Um, well, I fell in that trap. I mean, obviously, I know you did. it's a it's a long like the reality is for to make the commitment, uh, like to go up there. It's like not an easy drive. It's not the hardest drive, but it's not easy to go up there for what was it? Sixteen cars, fourteen 19 cars, cars, nineteen cars. And you know, I didn't realize that the uh, initially I didn't realize that the field was so weak. And then obviously, when I saw it, I'm like, oh, do I want to do that or do I want to go racing instead? Um, but you did make a good point, and that was that the race hasn't been on for a while. It's definitely not ideal circumstances this year, and you know, realistically, the race hopefully, oh sorry, it should have been run in February, but because of you know COVID, uncertain they have to push it back. Um, but you made a good point, and the point was that at least they got the race back on the calendar this year, and at least the race was run. And I think what we saw, um. Dude, regardless it was still a, of it was still a yeah, good spectacle. Exactly. Regardless of the the size of the field, the spectacle of the race was awesome. We had a fantastic Australian story with Kenny Habul winning the race. The race was still super compelling, regardless of the fact there were less teams there. Um, so I think that it was a, a huge win for the Bathurst 12 hour. And I mean, even though it was such a small field, to see drivers like Jules Gunon. Kelvin van der Linde, Ricardo Vela, uh, Lucas Stoltz, Mario Engel, to see the ca- those caliber of driver still come down and then have to fly back to Chris Germany. Yeah, they have to literally fly in, fly out back to race the next weekend in their regular GT3 categories. Um, does show how much respect there is, still is in the GT community for that track and for that race. So I think the fact that it's been run again has kind of rekindled the flame in the Australian population's hearts, but also in, in like the world GT3 community. And I'm, you know, just can't wait to see the race run at its proper time in February when every racer from around the world can get around. And hopefully we have again, 
you know, the, the grids that we've seen in the past. But yeah, you did I think, I think me. one thing as well that I really enjoyed that um, we, we always take for granted, I suppose, is we the, the teams, like the, the small teams, Australian teams that are always there every year, mm. but we don't really pay much attention to because mm. we've got four Audis that are run by, you know, Audi performance with mm. the best Audi drivers from the world. WRT and, then, and those kind and of then teams, we've yeah. got like group M who bring two cars mm. and um, that kind of stuff. So for the first time in a long time, I think probably since the first year when we saw like the focus was on like Grove racing with their Porsche, we had like um, Kenny Habil's son energy car was the one of them. It was triple eight. Yeah, so like you had even like the Hallmark Audi, Mark Sini's car has been there for how many years since we like since I can remember the um Tony Bates Audi, like the, all these all these cars that you don't Aussie really GT, look at. The, the Aussie GT3 championship yeah, like they, cars. They, right? they had their day in the sun, you know what yeah, I mean? I thought I that was awesome. I really thought in that the, was In awesome. the clouds, it wasn't really that sunny. It was pretty, it was in the clouds. They had their, they had their time on the big screen. They were the focus. Yeah. yeah. Well, to, to finish all that, I think we need to kind of um, chat a bit about the Valmont boys. Now they um, had a bit of a setback, mate. It looked so sketchy um, in the morning. And they, I mean, both of those... Both of those Mercedes AMGs actually had the same mistake coming through the dipper, or it was just seemed like there was no traction for that car coming through that corner, and they both had sustained what seemed like pretty minor damage, but it set them back for um, a couple of hours. hours. I think what was the like really good to see was um, Paddy Archie in that um, Mercedes, and I would love to see him again racing for the team next year. He looked like um, he belonged really like, yeah, well. Yeah, he did a really good job. He did a phenomenal job. And I think, you know, their goal was just to go in and get some miles under their belt in preparation for next year's race. I think they've done that. The car looked phenomenal when it was on the track. Um, and I, you know, really looking forward to seeing what they're able to achieve. It's not even going to be a year. It's closer to seven months. Six months. Uh, six months oh, till that race. Eight months, actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so so it's not, it's not that long a wait till we have to, till we get to, um, to, to see that race again, so awesome! It was Hopefully awesome that the race was back. Drag Harry up. We will have to pick him up so he yeah. can't bail. Well, he he should have <laughs> been down there because he's got he's the only one with fog lights on his car, and he didn't even make the trek up through the mist. Yeah, that's right. So um, <laughs> you got to put those fog lights to good use, boys. We've done clicked over what an hour twenty now. I think we'll leave it there for tonight. Always good having a chat with you. Um, Thank you very much. We'll eagerly wait in anticipation for Ricardo's bounce back race in Monaco. He does, perform, he, does perform, he does perform well at Monaco. So hopefully that's a, a good omen for the, the man with the shitty helmet, but I think we'll leave it there boys. So <laughs> let's have, I hope you have a great night. Thanks for jumping on for anyone that's listening online. Again, keep singing the same song to you, but please keep sharing the word, liking our socials, giving us a follow, Send us a few questions and hopefully we'll try to address them in the upcoming pods as well. So thanks for your time. Thanks for your support. Gents, have a great night. See you next week. Thanks, boys. Till next time, mate.